0: Romans chapter 15 We who are strong must be considerate of those who are sensitive about these things like this. We must not just please ourselves. We should help others to do what is right and build them up in the Lord. For even Christ did not live to please himself. As the scriptures say, The insults of those who insult you, O God, have fallen on me. Such things were written in the Scriptures long ago to teach us, and the Scriptures give us hope and encouragement as we wait patiently for God's promises to be fulfilled. May God, who gives this patience and encouragement, help you live in complete harmony with each other as is fitting for followers of Christ Jesus then all of you can join together with one voice, giving praise and glory to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, accept each other just as Christ has accepted you, so that God will be given glory. Remember that Christ came as a servant to the Jews to show that God is true to the promises he made to their ancestors. He also came so that the Gentiles may give glory to God for his mercies to them. That it was the psalmist meant when he wrote, For this I will praise you among the Gentiles. I will sing praises to your name. And in another place it is written, Rejoice with his people, you Gentiles. And yet again, praise the Lord, all you Gentiles. Praise him, all you people of the earth. And in another place, Isaiah said, the heir to David's throne will come and he will rule over the Gentiles. They will place their hope in him. on him. I pray that God, the source of hope, will fill you completely with joy and peace because you trust in him. Then you will overflow with confident hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. I am fully convinced, my dear brothers and sisters, that you are full of goodness. You know these things so well, you can teach each other all about them. Even so, I have been bold enough to write about some of these points, knowing that all you need is this reminder. For by God's grace, I am a special special messenger from Christ Jesus to you Gentiles. I bring you the good news so that I might present you as an acceptable offering to God, made holy by the Holy Spirit. So I have reason to be enthusiastic about all Christ Jesus has done through me in my service to God. Yet I dare not boast about anything except what Christ has done through me, bringing the Gentiles to God by my message and by the way I worked among them. They were convinced by the power of miraculous signs and wonders and by the power of God's Spirit. In this way, I have fully presented the good news of Christ from Jerusalem All the way to Illyricum. My ambition has always been to preach the good news where the name of Christ has never been heard, rather than where a church has already been started by someone else. I have been following the plan spoken of in the scriptures where it says, Those who have never been told about him will see, and those who have never heard of him will understand. In fact, my visit to you has been delayed so long because I have been preaching in all these places. But now I have finished my work in these regions and after all these long years of waiting, I am eager to visit you. I am planning to go to Spain and when I do, I will stop off in Rome. And after I have enjoyed your fellowship for a little while, you can provide for my journey. But before I come, I must go to Jerusalem to take a gift to the believers there. For you see, the believers in Macedonia and Achaia have eagerly taken up an offering for the poor among the believers in Jerusalem. They were glad to do this because they feel they owe a real debt debt to them. Since the Gentiles received the spiritual blessings of the good news from the believers in Jerusalem, they feel the least they can do in return is to help them financially. As soon as I have delivered this money and completed this good deed of theirs, I will come to see you on my way to Spain. And I'm sure that when I come, Christ will richly bless our time together. Dear brothers and sisters, I urge you in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ to join in my struggle by praying to God for me. Do this because of your love for me given to you by the Holy Spirit. Pray that I will be rescued from those in Judea who refuse to obey God. Pray also that the believers there will be willing to accept the donation I am taking to Jerusalem. Then, by the will of God, I will be able to come to you with a joyful heart. And we will be an encouragement to each other. And now, may God, who gives us his peace, be with you all. Amen. This is the word of the
1: Lord. Heavenly Father, we pray that you would illuminate your word. Our Holy Spirit, would you would you speak to us, you make the word come alive. Uh, let us leave tonight having met with the living God, having heard your living and active word. Father, will you change us? We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Right, Romans 15, we live for Christ. Um, We're back in Romans at last, and today we finally see why Paul wrote Romans. Any guesses? Why did Paul write the book of Romans, the letter to the Romans? Any guesses? Have a look at verse 24. Verse 24, it says, I'm planning to go to Spain, and when I do, I will stop off in Rome... After I've enjoyed your fellowship for a little while, you can provide for my journey. Okay. Romans is a letter to ask for money. (laughs) Okay, it's a please support me letter. Um, As I said this morning, it's a (laughs) tigre It's a letter to ask for money. But what a letter. Hey, isn't it? It's a magnificent summary of what we believe as Christians. It's a glorious celebration of the gospel. Not by law. Not by morals. Not by efforts. Not by me. (laughs) But by Christ. By his death and his resurrection. For his glory. By the power of his spirit. At work in us. Waking us to life. So that we trust in the cross of Christ. And nothing else. And we live like it. What a great letter. But. Why such a detailed letter? Why not just write, I am the great apostle, go on a mission trip, support me. (laughs) Uh, And that's because they didn't actually know him. knew of him, they didn't know him. He hadn't been to Rome. Rome was one of the few churches that he hadn't actually planted. And he wanted to make sure that they were on board with him, that they were partners in the gospel. And so what he does is he writes, this is the gospel that I preach so that they know what they're getting themselves in for if they support him. So after a few wo- a few months of work in, in Spain, they won't just suddenly go, oh, I didn't know you'd talk about sin, or ooh, judgment, the children won't like that. Uh, by the way, if anyone ever says, ooh, the children won't like that, they actually mean, ooh, I don't like that. Uh, <laughs> because kids never have a problem with God's judgment or the fact that we are sinners, They know it very well and they haven't got good enough at fooding themselves yet. So just an aside. Anyway, so Paul writes This is what we believe. Are you with me? Let's get out there and live it. Here in Rome, out in Spain, it's live out loud, man. Or something like that. There's my summary of Romans. (laughs) Okay, we live for Christ. Everything we do and say and think should be for his glory, for the glory of God. We were made for his good pleasure. We were saved by his good pleasure and we live for his good pleasure. And so we love each other, the church, our brothers and sisters in the faith, both locally and beyond. We love each other like Christ and we therefore also reach out with the message of Christ. We love non-Christians, whether they're Jew or Gentile or anything in between, proclaiming the great gospel to anyone who will listen. And those are our two points tonight. Live for Christ in fellowship with your church. That's verse 1 to 13. Live for Christ in fellowship with your church. And to Live for Christ and win the lost. That's 14 to the end. So, live for Christ in fellowship with your church. Check out verse 1 to 3. Verse 1 says, We who are strong must be considerate of those who are sensitive about things like this. We must not just please ourselves. We should help others do what is right and build them up in the Lord. For even Christ didn't live to please himself. Now this is chapter 14 which can basically be summed up like this treat each other the way jesus treated you treat each other the way jesus has treated you if you want to hear the proper sermon on chapter 14 it's on our website my dad did a good job with that it's worth listening to but in other words be considerate not self-focused because it is very easy to be arrogant especially when you are right (laughs) especially when you are right And chapter 14 uses the example of some brothers being very uptight about the Sabbath and about holy days. And others were very concerned about food. Oh, you can't eat blood. Oh, you can't mow the lawn on a Sunday. That's working. Or the example my dad used when he preached buying alcohol. People get very uptight. Now we know as Christians that what we eat or drink does not matter. We're free. All foods are clean for we who are in Christ. Jesus said that in Mark chapter 7. I think it's verse 19. Um, Every day, every day is the same. It is the day to glorify God. There are no holier days. Every day is lived to God's glory. And there is no Sabbath day because we're not Jews. But we who understand that, we who are strong, we who know the freedom we have in Christ, we're not to abuse that freedom. We are set free to love so if you have a brother who struggles don't eat a halal burger up in his face <laughs> okay uh, don't fire up the chainsaw outside his house on sunday mm, good morning repent mm, you know <laughs> instead gently allow the spirit to do his work through his word he will convince them when they are ready to hear because we're all at different stages in our understanding And so we need to bear with one another. Verse 2 says we should help others do what is right and build them up in the Lord. To build them up in the Lord. I want to take this before I go on. I want to take a a short moment to talk about something called the cage stage Calvinist. The cage stage Calvinist. Okay, it is someone who is just understood the. The. amazing doctrine of predestination or whatever it is. And, and they're so excited that they become a bit, well, they should be in a cage because they're too busy snarling at everyone, totally depraved and irresistible grace and that kind of stuff. And many have fallen into the trap of becoming insufferable uh, when they've discovered the amazing doctrine of God's sovereign power and grace. And, and they get angry when others reduce God's sovereignty because they correctly see it as stealing God's glory but is that the right attitude? If you are strong, your strength is given to you to carry your brother. Not to beat him over the head with your great understanding of the Bible. Okay, Be gentle. Be humble. Be like Jesus. Don't be overbearing. Let the Bible do the work. When when I was young and my dad was teaching me how to use tools, he used to say that all the time. You know, the sword, struggling away with the sword, he said, Daniel, just let, let the saw do the work. Let, yes, exactly. As I've learned from my father, I teach you. Let, let the tool do the work. Ah, ah. And that's what we need to do as well. Let the tool do the work. This is God's tool. We don't need to browbeat people into belief. The spirit is very good at that job. And I thought I want to use the opportunity to apologize when I have been too overbearing Uh, Too strong. (laughs) Because apparently I've been guilty of this in the past. (laughs) Uh, No, but I have. (laughs) And uh, so if I have been like that with any of you, forgive me. Thank you. (laughs) Well, there we go. Forgive me for not being more like Jesus. Hopefully I'll become wiser. Verse 3 says... For even Christ didn't live to please himself. As the scriptures say, the insults of those who insult you, O God, have fallen on me. Such things were written in the scriptures long ago to teach us. And the scriptures give us hope and encouragement as we wait patiently for God's promises to be fulfilled. May God, who gives us this patience and encouragement, help you to live in complete harmony with each other, as is fitting for followers of Christ Jesus. Now, that harmony that verse 5 talks about, this living together in harmony, this bearing with one another, it's costly. <laughs> but Jesus is our example. In verse 3, note that Paul quotes from Scripture. It's um, from Psalm 69. is about the righteous king of Israel, that's David who wrote it, being persecuted for his love for God. And it's very apt to talk about Jesus. And if Jesus suffered that, We can suffer to hold our tongue and not criticize, or to be gentle and patient, to decide to love these, our brothers and sisters, so that we can live in harmony. Verse 5, as we, verse 4, patiently wait for the promised return of Christ. And the thing is, that if our church is loving and caring for each other, as verse 6 says, with one voice, that will result in us, verse 6 continues, giving praise and glory to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, accept each other just as Christ has accepted you, so that God will be given glory. You see, God is glorified when we in the church look after each other like we should. And that's not directed at the leaders of the church. That's us. All of us, each of us, we have an obligation to our family, to love, to care for, to look after. And you know what? That love is attractive. People notice it. When, when we get together as a church, when Rock International gets together, people see the love we have for each other. I've heard non-Christians remark a number of times on the love and the care that we show each other. It speaks volumes. And God is glorified. So let's keep it up. <laughs> But of course the opposite is also true, you know. A church divided into factions where every little group is vying for power and everyone's trying to shout the loudest to get their will done, you know, get their viewpoint across. When people care more about their reputation and being liked than about what God says in the Bible. Oh dear, that does not bring glory to God. And it is not attractive. Now in Rome... The big divide in the Roman church was that between Jew and Gentile. That is non-Jew. That's us. Uh, Along these kind of lines. We Jews are God's chosen people. Of course, we're better than you Gentiles. You need to listen to us. You can understand that, actually, because it's true. (laughs) But the Holy Spirit, through Paul, addresses that in verse 8 and verse 9. They were God's chosen people. Verse 8, remember that Christ came as a servant to the Jews to show that God is true to the promises he made to their ancestors. He also came so that the Gentiles might give glory to God for his mercies to them. Jesus came for the Jews and for the Gentiles, for both, equally, and then he proves it by quoting from Psalm 18, verse 49, which has David, the king of Israel, saying, For this I will praise you among the Gentiles, I will sing praises to your name. In verse 10 from Deuteronomy 32, verse 43, Rejoice with his people, you Gentiles. And then Psalm 117, the shortest psalm, Praise the Lord, all you Gentiles, praise him, all you people of the earth. If you have a different translation, it might say nations. The nations mean those not Uh, Those who are not Jews, so Gentiles, the nations. And it ends off with the great promise of the coming Messiah, the Savior, the Christ from Isaiah. Chapter 11, verse 10. The heir to David's throne will come and he will rule over the Gentiles and they will place their hope on him. Isn't that cool? So hooray, we are as much in Christ as the Jews are. You see, there's no division, there's no hierarchy in the kingdom of God. The Pope and the newest converts are equally saved by grace, if they are saved at all. The pastor or the preacher is not more holy than the tea maker. Why? Because we're saved by grace, not by our efforts. So let's remember that as we look at our brothers and sisters, we're saved by grace. So be gentle, rebuke and correct in love. Not in arrogance, but please rebuke and correct, so that's how we learn. But in love, not in arrogance. And point people to Jesus, to his word, not to your great intellect. <laughs> we have no gurus here. We have one teacher, and his name is Jesus. We have one teacher, and his name is Jesus. So live for Christ in fellowship with your church. Second point. Live for Christ and win the lost. Verse 24, you can see that there. Live for Christ and win the lost. Verse 24, I'm planning to go to Spain. When I do, I'll stop off in Rome. After I've enjoyed your fellowship for a little while, you can provide for my journey. And uh, verse 29 and 30, I'm sure that when I come, Christ will richly bless our time together. Dear brothers and sisters, I urge you in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ to join in my struggle by praying to God for me. Do this because of your love for me given to you. By the Holy Spirit, you see, as Christians saved by grace, we want to share what we have received with those around us. The word gospel means good news that 's how it 's translated in the NLT Good news great news, actually momentous news, tremendous news like the war is over Hooray! Of course we want to share that with other people, but we need to make sure that we 're sharing god 's. Good news, not something we've just made up or something wrong, because sin sneaks its way in, creeps in and distorts the message so easily and so quickly it can become about me, about us, about our efforts. So quickly we can change the message to maybe make it more nicer, more acceptable, more politically correct, better. God, you don't know what you're talking about. Let let, let me fix this. Actually, sometimes we can do it simply by ignoring what's written on the page. Pedda was at a Bible study where that happened. They were reading something. Something very unpolitically correct came up in the Bible study. So they just gently pretended it wasn't there until Pedda said, What's that? Well done. (laughs) But I mean, that's how we can do it to me. And we do it. So let's not do that. Right. Verse 14. You can see why pause now saying, come on, we need to share the right gospel. Verse 14. I am fully convinced, my dear brothers and sisters, that you are full of goodness. You know these things so well, you can teach each other all about them. Even so, I have been bold enough to write about some of these points, knowing that all you need is this reminder. Uh, for by God's grace, I am a special messenger from Christ Jesus to you Gentiles. I bring in the good news so that I might present to you as an acceptable offering to God made holy by the Holy Spirit. You see, even though we know the gospel, we need to keep being reminded because this word changes us because we are made holy by the Holy Spirit. As we read the word, he brings life to us. He changes us. He transforms us. And this church is evidence of that. I see you being made holy as the word is taught and the holy spirit takes these words and makes them come alive it's so cool it's an incredible miracle it's like you know watching plants grow as they are watered it's awesome hello plants <laughs> and me too so verse 17 paul says so i have reason to be enthusiastic about all christ jesus has done through me in my service to god and i say me too <laughs> It's cool in a much smaller way, Uh, but it's great. Verse 18, yet I dare not boast about anything except what Christ has done through me, bringing the Gentiles to God by my message and by the way I worked among them. They were convinced by the power of miraculous signs and wonders and by the power of God's spirit. In other words, not by clever words or twisting the message or because Paul was brilliant. Paul presented This message, the message of the gospel, a crucified man who rose from the dead. I mean it's stupid. Have you ever thought about that? I mean Debbie had that the other on Friday was it Friday? She was teaching the gospel and suddenly thought, This is ridiculous. It sounds so dumb. We do have a ridiculous message. Dead men don't rise to life. (laughs) But it's true. He did. And it is backed by the spirit's power. That weak, stupid message has changed the world and our lives. And so we can be confident. We don't need tricks. We don't need to hide the gospel. We don't need to be embarrassed by it. We can be confident because the spirit is at work. You know, signs and wonders we have seen in this church. Many times. And I don't mean amazing healings and incredible answers to prayer. Because yes, we believe in those. And we have seen many times. Because God is awesome. And generous and kind. But the real miracles, the real signs and wonders are you lot sitting here. Yes, you can say, I'm a miracle. (laughs) But you are, actually. You know, releasing Jerusalem's brother from prison, that was easy. Healing Isabella, piece of cake. To save you, that took the cross. That took all the Spirit's life giving power. Isn't that awesome? Have a look at verse 19 and put your name where it says they. Put your name right there. Daniel was convinced by the power of miraculous signs and wonders and by the power of God's Spirit. Isn't that, if you've got a Norwegian version, it doesn't work. (laughs) It doesn't. But you can say Shisti was convinced by the power of miraculous signs and wonders and by the power of God's spirit, because she was. You see, Paul knew the power of the spirit, but he also had a special calling, a special drive from God. Remember, after his meeting uh, with Jesus on the road to Damascus, God gave him this task to be the apostle to the Gentiles, to take the gospel into the whole world. And you can feel his passion for the lost in these verses in verse 19. And following, in this way, I fully presented the good news of Christ from Jerusalem all the way to Illyricum. My ambition has always been to preach the good news where the name of Christ has never been heard, rather than where a church has already been started by someone else. I've been following the plan spoken of in the scriptures where it says those who have never been told about him will see and those who have never heard of him will understand. In fact, my visit to you has been delayed so long because I've been preaching in these places. But now... I've finished my work in these regions, and after all these long years of waiting, I am eager to visit you. Why? There is already a church in Rome. Ah, verse 24, because I'm planning to go to Spain. And when I do, I will stop off in Rome, and after you have enjoyed your fellowship for a little while, you can provide for my journey. (laughs) Why should we do that? (laughs) They might be thinking. Well, why should we, as a church, provide for Paul or Meshach or MacDonald our missionaries. I mean, we struggle enough with providing for this church and this is, we can see and touch and feel what we get for our money and we don't have enough as it is. Why should we give to those? We don't even see. And the answer is because we are partners in the gospel. Even Gentiles in Macedonia and Achaia were giving to Jews in Jerusalem. That was a powerful example of Christian love. Verse 27, he says they were glad to do this because they feel they owe a real debt to them. Since the Gentiles received the spiritual blessings and the good news from the believers in Jerusalem, they feel the least they can do in return is to help them financially. It's kind of the equivalent of the Palestinian churches raising money for the Israeli churches. It would be something like that. Um, now, as Christians, we are part of God's work in the world, and our generosity is one of the ways that we show it. Paul asks, do you want to be part of my missionary work to Spain? Yes, that's awesome. And we can be part of the missionary work in Zambia and in South Africa and in uh, Kenya. It's awesome. Verse 28. As soon as I've delivered this money and completed this good deed of theirs, I will come and see you on my way to Spain. I'm sure that when I come, Christ will richly bless our time together. Dear brothers and sisters. I urge you, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, to join in my struggle by praying to God for me. Again, the partnership. Do this because of your love for me, given to you by the Holy Spirit. Pray that I will be rescued from those in Judea who refuse to obey God. Pray also that the believers there will be willing to accept the donation I am taking to Jerusalem. Then, by the will of God, I will be able to come to you with a joyful heart, and we will be an encouragement to each other. And now, may God, who gives us his peace, be with you all. Amen, Now we're still all on the same mission as Paul. We want to magnify the name of Jesus here in Newtonden among us, we want to show the love of Christ to each other. We want to proclaim His name so that those around us can hear the gospel and be saved. Amen. <laughs> and we give generously so that this church can keep going. Uh, But also to support our brothers in Kenya, in Zambia, and in South Africa, because we are all part of God's worldwide family. They are our brothers, and we owe them our support. Why? Because of the love of Christ, given to us by the Holy Spirit. Isn't that cool? So let's praise God for his work in and through us. Let me pray for us. Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, We ask that you would magnify your glory and grace and love through us. Father, we pray that you would make us more and more like Jesus, less selfish, less arrogant, more gentle, more kind, more full of truth, more full of the Spirit, more generous, more on God's mission than our own little mission. Let's live for Christ. That is, I will do, say and think what Jesus wants me to do, say and think. Rather than what I want to do, say and think. Let me live every day like that. In each moment. Not just doing a great deed for Christ. But in in the everyday moment. To do, say and think what Jesus wants me. To, to live out what you have placed in me to your spirit. Not in duty, but in joy. Help us to love our church family, as we should, and help us to share the gospel with those around us. And Father, I pray for each one of us uh, this week that we will have an opportunity to share the gospel with those who are around us. Lord, I thank you for the opportunity I had this week, which you gave me to spend 20 minutes talking to a non Christian and his wife about the gospel. It's so cool so lord please let's yeah give us give us opportunities and give us the courage to take those opportunities and let us see many people turn to christ we ask this in jesus name amen